0: Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning in to The Mage as well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey, witches, Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode is on Baba Yaga, a mysterious Slavic folklore witch. Now, I have absolutely loved researching this week's episode. The witch's brew was my favourite, but I think this one tops it. And I could speak about Baba all day. I'm going to get us started off with a popular Russian fairy tale called Vasilisa the Beautiful and Baba Yaga right after this. Majors, my sugar pot spell, it's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to runeth. Sugarpot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy, and who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. Subscribe with the link in the description, and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose. The story begins with Vaslisa at home, with her father, who is a wealthy merchant, and her mother, who is on her deathbed. It hits the ground running. She calls Vasilisa over to her bed and says while passing her the doll, Do as I tell you, my child. Take good care of this doll and never show it to anyone. If ever anything bad happens to you, give the doll something to eat and ask its advice. It will help you out in all your troubles. She dies and the father spends a period of time grieving. (laughs) He then decides to get married to give Vasilisa a mother figure. The stepmother has two daughters who aren't blessed with their looks, shall we say. And surprise surprise, they all hate Vasilisa and make her life hell. They were jealous of her beauty, so to make it fade, they worked her to the bone, ordering her about all day and underfeeding her. Despite their efforts as the weeks and months go by, her beauty only grows. What the ugly trio didn't realise was that the doll is doing all the hard work. Her father, completely oblivious to any of this, we could comment on his parenting skills but we'll refrain, leaves on a trip to sell his wares far, far away. The stepmother gives all the daughters a task that night, the first one weaving lace, the second knitting stockings, and Vaslisa to spinning yarn. In a move that I don't understand, she makes them do it all by the light of a single candle. Now in medieval Russia, where to climb the social ladder as females, marriage was a solid option. If you've got ugly daughters, you don't want to damage their eyes as well. Now the candle goes out, and there's a tiff who should go and get light from the neighbor, Baba Yagar. Vasilisa gets pushed out of the house and makes her way to Baba's house, who is well known in the community for her cannibalistic tendencies. I mean, what can go wrong here? She begins walking, and walks into the forest, because yeah, I forgot to mention that not only Baba is a cannibal, she's a cannibal deep in the forest. It's pitch black, the forest is blocking the light of the stars and the moon. Vasilisa thinks, oh damn, forgot to invoke Artemis for protection in a new moon ritual, so she's slightly concerned how this is going to play out. So she grabs a doll and tells her her fears. And the doll says, never you mind. You'll be alright. Nothing bad can happen to you while I'm with you. I mean, I'm sceptical, but onward she goes. She sees a man dressed in white on a horse who glows in the dark and gallops past her. She stumbles deeper into the forest. Dawn is breaking when she sees a man in red on a red horse. Onward she walks for the whole day until evening arrives. She approaches a small glade and sees a small hut with a fence of bones and mounted skulls. Vasilisa took it all in, slightly intimidated. Suddenly she hears galloping, and another man on horseback approaches, wearing all black on a black horse, and disappears before the hut. Strange. Quote, Night descended, and lo, the eyes of the skulls crowning the fence began to glow, and it became as light as if it were day. Vaslisa shook with fear. She could not move her feet, which seemed to have frozen to the spot, and refused to carry her away from this terrible place. All of a sudden, she felt the earth trembling and rocking beneath her, and there was Baba Yaga, flying up in a mortar, swinging her pestle like a whip, and sweeping the tracks away with a broom. She flew up to the gate, sniffing the air, and cried, I smell Russian flesh, who is here? That's also something I should mention. Baba is great at sniffing out Russians. That came up quite a lot when I was researching. So Vasilisa introduces herself and says she's been sent by her stepsisters for light. Baba invites her in, gives her a small chunk of bread to eat and tells her to pick out all the black bits from a sack of millet seeds. El Shalita. i fair. Fair to Baba. What you see is what you get and you know what you're working with. Vasilisa has a meltdown. It's very much an out of the frying pan and into the fire situation. Baba falls asleep and Vasilisa gives her doll some bread. It tells her to go to sleep, so she does, and while she's sleeping, the doll calls in birds to sort through the seeds. Next morning, Baba asks Vasilisa is it sorted. Baba is massively miffed that it is, and goes out hunting, telling her to sort out a sack that's mixed with peas and poppy seeds, El Shilita. Off she goes again in her mortar and pestle. She feeds the doll, who calls in mice to sort the sack out. Baba returns and once again is annoyed that the task is done. Annoyed, she asks why Vasilisa is sat there mute. She responds with, I don't dare speak, but I have questions if you don't mind. Baba says shoot, but warns that not every question is a good answer, and the more someone knows the sooner they will grow old. Vasilisa asks about the white, red and black riders. Baba says they are her bright day, red sun and black night. The conversation ends, and she said it was wise Vasilisa only asked about what she did, as Baba tends to eat those who ask too much. She then asks Vasilisa how she gets through the task so quickly, to which she says it's down to her mother's blessing. Baba isn't keen on this and doesn't let people with blessings in her house, so she kicks her out, but before she does, she gives Vasilisa one of the fence skulls containing fire. She runs home and leaves the skull outside, to which it responds, you mustn't throw me away, your stepmother and her daughters need me. She ignores the skull and goes inside, to which her family tell her they haven't had light or heat for days, and every time fire crosses the threshold, it goes out. Vasilisa grabs the skull and brings it in. It locks eyes on her stepfamily, and they are erupt into flames and shrieks of pain, as the skull incinerates them into oblivion, leaving behind three heaps of ash. Understandably, Vasilisa doesn't want to live where she calmly witnessed her family perish in agony. She moves in with an old lady, and she weaves a beautiful cloth, who gives it to the woman to sell. She doesn't sell it, she takes it to the Tsar as a gift. He ends up asking for Vasilisa, and they fall in love and get married. Dad's like WTF when he gets back and sees all the ash, but he's invited to live in the palace, alongside the old lady who Vasilisa lodged with, and that is the end. For me, I think the fact that the local monarchy doesn't feel the need to protect its bloodline, and to keep it pure, subtext incestuous, and marries into the merchant class, that's the real surprise and the plot twist. Bar the cannibalistic woman in the woods, talking skull, and family members igniting. Awake Organics create beautiful, cruelty-free skincare and cosmetics. I'm quite careful and fussy with what I put on my skin, but I recently tried their Sea Quartz Vegan Cleanser and I was blown away. It's a micro polish, but it isn't created with plastic beads. It's ground quartz crystal. The crystals are hand-milled, washed, and filtered by a Reiki master. Vivid green from the spirulina, it was fun to use, and with the essential oils of sweet orange and chamomile, it smelled so good I could have eaten it. My skin looked and felt incredible. Awake Organics uses plastic-free packaging and, where possible, sources their ingredients in the UK. And now they're offering 20% off with the code MAJORSWELL20, all uppercase. Once again, that's Awake Organics. (music) Baba Yaga has many meanings, and Baba may mean midwife, sorceress, or fortune teller, amongst many, many other alternatives. In modern Russia, the word Babushka, meaning grandmother, derives from it. There is no consensus about where Yaga derives from, but it's generally thought to mean serpent or snake coming from Sanskrit or Proto-Slavic languages. The fact that she is named is a point to highlight. Often fairy tales and folklore, the which remains unknown. Superstitious people have avoided mentioning her name. Instead, they assigned her various nicknames. Sometimes she has sisters. Sometimes her name isn't capitalized, suggesting that the person in the tale is described as being similar to her. Or, in a Voldemort-esque way, they don't refer to her real name in case it gave her power. If this is the case, her real name has been lost. Now, Baba Yaga is a popular figure within Slavic folklore. She appears in countless stories and plays many roles from a maternal helper and mother nature figure to a cannibalistic villain who often rides around in a mortar and pestle and this has intrigued scholars for hundreds of years and i mean that is quite the range she's got there so i can understand that she's often described as a hideous scary old woman a face marked and etched with millennia with iron teeth and a large tucked nose her common epithet is the bony one she's volatile she's unpredictable approached in the wrong manner or asked too many questions she becomes dangerous which in some tales is attributed to the fact that for every question answered she ages a year, but that can be rectified by making a tea from Blue Roses. But Baba, for all her flaws, is never unprovoked. She'll only challenge those who enter her house and seek help, helping those she deems worthy and eating the failures. The line of whether she's good or bad is blurred, and I like that, it gives her some depth. And despite this ambiguity, she does keep to her promises. Baba within the tale of Vaslisa the Beautiful is a trickster, a villain, and a saviour. We also see this battle, or competition, between magical users, which ends up brutally killing Vaslisa's evil family. Shockingly violent, she takes this fairy godmother mould and destroys it. Her hut is also another point of interest. It's often found deep in the forest, standing on chicken legs with a fence of human bones topped with skulls. Heroes often have to find her hut and do impossible tasks for her. If they fail, they are cooked and eaten by Baba, and rather thrifty, I think, is the fact that she makes the bone fence from her victim's leftover bones. Baba is living her own white picket fence dream. Heroes often have to chant upon approaching where she lives, Little house, little house, turn your back to the forest and your front to me. Similar to Open Sesame, the hut rises on its legs and returns to the hero. This spinning has been said to represent the heavens and the passage of time. Other tales often make reference to the 12 stakes within her fence, a reference to the 12 months, and the hut facing the forest can be seen as it looking into the land of the dead. Now this forest where she lived, they're described in Russian as les Lestudemchi. The first word translates nicely to forest, the second one it's a little bit more intriguing Dremchi means dense or thick, but this word has root in slumber or drowsiness, which is suggestive that Baba dwells in the realm of the subconscious or the dream world. And Baba Yaga's cabin on chicken legs may be based on real buildings. Now, hunter-gatherers within Siberia built cabins on supports, and those supports would be the old stumps of two or three closely grown trees cut at a height of around 8 to 10 feet. The stumps with their spreading roots give a good impression of chicken legs and they were built to store food for long periods of time and this was to ensure that animals couldn't reach the cavern because often they were used to store food within them. I've posted a picture of it on the Instagram at The Major's Well and looking at it you can really see how the chicken legs came about. Within her house invisible servants tend to her as well as three bodiless pairs of hands. And the three horsemen also serve her, a white, a red and a black horseman, representing the different stages of the day. Nababa is ancient, and she comes from a vast pool of oral folklore. Her first known written appearance is towards the end of the 1700s. And she's also a statement of men's fears regarding wild femininity, as well as cultural anxieties of the time the danger she embodies could have a deeper meaning of fear around women's sexuality and the power that can be drawn from it or so this untamable wildness speaks to her embodiment as mother nature with this idea of mother earth she sometimes represents winter and the harsh realities of getting lost in the forest she's also been linked to the moon with the waning phase marking her cannibalistic side and clouds no clouds in the summer can give life and bounty However, in winter it's the complete reverse, so there's a lot of rich symbolism surrounding her. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, author of Women Who Run With The Wolves, writes that Baba is a primal prototype of womanhood with wild power. Baba Yagar, she writes, is the very essence of an instinctive and complete soul. She knows everything that was before. She is the keeper of heavenly and earthly secrets. She inspires fear because she simultaneously personifies a destructive power, and the power of creation and life. And we can see that she thrives in the liminal space of the deep dark forest. She's said to watch over the waters of life and death, and to rule over the elements. Some tales place her as a psychopomp, she guides lost souls. Also with the horsemen, the sun, the night and the day do her bidding, and she's often portrayed with animals doing her bidding as well. She seems to be in total control of the natural world and its timings. Her power doesn't come from her beauty. It isn't defined by her relationship with others. It comes from her independence and her rejection of social standards. The tales around her reflect how society treats its outcasts. And in the case of Baba, she's outcast as an elderly woman who possesses arcane knowledge. Some have connected her to an avian goddess of death and regeneration via a hooked nose and chicken-legged hut, while others have suggested she's the mother goddess Mokosh of the Siberian nomadic tribes. Now, Mokosh was a protectress of women, oversaw fertility and the rites of purification at death and birth. I'm more inclined to go with the latter. I also believe the duality within her stems from a time when society was more balanced within the divine feminine and goddess worship. With the arrival of the solar gods, she became a target for misogyny and the darker traits were either placed on her or highlighted, Quote, In some ways, she is that fierce part of the divine feminine, which is willing to destroy what is simple and still thinking in black and white and that's from Brian Roa, a bard and storyteller, and that brings me on to my next point. She's often placed in a role where she's an initiator for adolescence. It's interesting to note that male heroes have to encounter tests, while for the female heroines, it's more housework-based and menial chores, and once completed, they automatically gain a piece of knowledge or power from Baba, which is relevant to the time and place where Baba originates from. She's training these girls to get them ready for domestic life and duties. If they are no good, they will not get ahead in the world, and therefore Baba eats them. And on a more practical, everyday level, she stands as a warning to not go too deep into the forest, and always be kind and generous. Perfect lessons to teach your children. And while Baba is seen as having an evil side that she's not afraid to express, she doesn't seem to tolerate evil done towards the innocent. And stories around her place importance on manners, a certain purity of character, and humility. Working with Baba, I think she would be great to invoke for protection, for assisting in difficult chapters of your life, this initiator vibe, for banishing, working with the dead in terms of spirits and ancestors. And you can see how to work with her based on the stories. I mean, being deep in the forest would be great for working with her. Though if this isn't possible, burn woody scents, such as pine and cedar, manners respect and humility are key let's not annoy her we can see that she's got a mean streak if provoked also i think it would be wise to avoid approaching her with menial matters offerings can include kvass a fermented drink mead beer cabbage soup bread or pork this kind of homely domestic vibe also find a way to incorporate bones into the offering as there's a lot of bone symbolism around her also dyeing some white roses blue would be a nice offering This isn't going to be easy to build a relationship with her. It's going to take time, effort and dedication on your behalf. Now I found a ritual from Tarot Pugs and it's based around a white candle and working over a period of seven days or longer. So you'll need a white candle and herbs to dress the candle. So, rowan berries, juniper berries, dried orange peel, dandelion leaves, basil, peppermint and you can always incorporate these within oils as you dress your candle and use as little or as many as you want. Premium quality vodka offered every day while you burn your candle. Quality tobacco or cigarettes, again, offered every day. And it's customary to cover your head or hair with a headscarf or a hood, hoodie, hooded cloak, just as a sign of respect. And to cast a circle, you would say powers of air, powers of fire, powers of water powers of Earth, energy of the moon, energy of the sun, energy of the stars, secrets of the forest, secrets of the animals, secrets of the ancestors. I cast this circle in the name of the goddess of all. Protect me from all above and below herein. This circle is cast and sealed. Then you would say, Hear me, Baba Yaga, as I approach your magical hut. I ask you to see and hear me. I ask for your favour. Wise and old Baba Yaga, who only shares her wisdom with those who are worthy to understand her knowledge, I ask for your presence here and now at this ritual. Speak, Baba Yaga. We are ready for your wisdom. Visit us in dreams, visit us in visions, whisper your wisdom in the cold wind through the forests and the mountains. Send us on our way to a journey to fulfil your mission, and let us be your apprentice. Patient and wise, Baba Yaga. Hear me now and always. I ask of you." And then you would give your offering of vodka and say, Oh Baba Yagar, the bony one, accept this vodka offering. And then give her the cigarettes or a small amount of tobacco and say, Oh Baba Yagar, the bony legged, please accept this offer of tobacco. And then you would light the candle and recite, Baba Yagar, give me healing. Baba Yagar, give me the wisdom of witchcraft. Baba Yagar, visit me in my dreams. Baba Yagar, show me the secrets you wish to bestow upon me. And you would recite that nine times. And then you would give thanks to her by saying, Thank you, Baba Yagar, for hearing me speak. Thank you, Baba Yagar, for your wisdom and guidance. I thank you, Baba Yagar, for your teaching. Please continue to guide me on my path. And thank you for listening today majors. You can find me on Instagram at the Majors Well, it's the same for Twitter. The email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Get in touch with any questions, stories or experiences. If you want to support the show, I've left my Patreon link in the description. You can subscribe to my sugarpot spell. The address is patreon.com slash themajorswell. If you're not able to support the show, tell your friends or leave a five-star review. I've also left a link for that in the episode description. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, and I'm going to leave you with a poem called The Listeners by Walter Mare. Is there anybody there? said the traveller, knocking on the moonlit door and his horse in the silence champs the grasses of the forest's ferny floor. And a bird flew up out of the turret, above the traveller's head, and he smote upon the door again a second time. Is there anybody there? he said. But no one descended to the traveller, no head from the leaf fringed sill. Leaned over and looked into his grey eyes, where he stood perplexed and still, but only a host of phantom listeners that dwelt in the lone house then, stood listening in the quiet of the moonlight to that voice from the world of men, stood thronging the faint moonbeams on the dark stair that goes down to the empty hall, hearkening in the air, stirred and shaken by the lonely traveller's call, and he felt in his heart their strangeness, their stillness answering his cry, while his horse moved, cropping the dark turf, neath the starred and leafy sky, for he suddenly smote on the door, even louder, and lifted his head. Tell them I came, and no one answered, that I kept my word, he said. Never the least stir made the listeners, though every word he spake, fell echoing through the shadowiness of the still house, from the one man left awake. I, they heard his foot upon the stirrup, and the sound of iron on stone, and how the silence surged softly backward, when the plunging hoofs were gone. Peace out, witches. Thank you for listening.